0: Ahoy hoy, good evening, welcome in nitty gritty committee. I'm Tyrell McLaughlin, you can find me on Twitter at tnfftyrell, and you can find mine and Travis's work at truenorthffb.com. This is Instant Analysis. We're filtering and distilling all the drops off the tea leaves. We don't want to overweigh anything we see in preseason, we just want to take what we can while we're checking players out. For some teams, I'll hit snap percentages. Some teams, I'll run down battles more than I will starters. Others, I'm still just getting a feel for systems they're implementing so we can build a really good foundation to, like, form our opinions on. And the other important rule of preseason, teams still aren't really game planning for one another. And with that, off we go. Let's go down south to the Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers showed their whole first team offense against the Dolphins in their second showing in the preseason. But the first unit did look less effective than they did last week. In the preseason here, we still want to see some things under Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston. Let's put the running back shakeout and passing game usage to the side for a second. The Buccaneers also have a lot of speculation revolving around their wideouts. And we know with Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys leaving in free agency, that presents the fourth most targets available in the league. And that should also morph this Buccaneers offense into a condensed one, making it even more desirable one for fantasy. So it should be exciting to see things like OJ Howard going from being the fifth priority in this offense to the third and seeing O.J. Howard's volume finally align with his elite talent and historic efficiency. And when you're studying Mike Evans, you find the difference between him being an elite option has really just come down to target share through his career. When he's been given immense volume, he's been an elite wide receiver for fantasy. And most captivating to me is Chris Godwin. We saw a mini breakout last year, but we expect he can take an even bigger step this year. And I've touched on it in the past about Mike Evans possibly being the third best option in the red zone among these three, but even if I'm wrong about that, Godwin should see a huge spike in volume given his role. We know the Zed wide receiver role for Bruce Arians offense has really been a coveted one for fantasy, from Larry Fitzgerald even all the way back to Heinz Ward. And we love seeing Bruce Arians back on the sideline, and against Miami in this one, he mostly used the game to emotionally drain himself. But yeah, he really shook the rust off. He said he retired due to his health, and it's actually remarkable to watch how fiery Bruce Arians is on the sidelines. There was one play where the refs forgot to allow for defensive subs, and Arians just absolutely laid into the ref. And it's so funny, because I'm sure he knows how counterproductive it is, but he truly can't refrain from doing it. And it's in stark contrast, if you watch the Panthers game, Riverboat Ron had the most calm conversation with a ref. It's really funny, the difference between the two, just by their demeanor during a game. But enough banter, sorry, let's fly here. Because like I said, the Buccaneers did send out their first-team offense against the Dolphins' first-team defense. And after last week against the Steelers going 5-for-6 with a touchdown, Jameis Winston had a much less exciting game against the Finns. He took a sack on the first drive and he overthrew Mike Evans on a ball, who's 6'5", of course. And we only saw the first-team 4-1 series. You know, sometimes you see them for a second series if they have a poor outing. But Arians chose not to send the starters back out, so Jameis Winston was done ski. He finished 2-for-4 with 24 yards and added 5 yards with his legs. It was actually a very nice escape. And hopefully we see some more live action from the first team next week. And especially from Jameis Winston, because now he has one great series and one poor series under his belt here. And Ryan Griffin came in and played really, really well again, giving us Brucey through the sky with Jameis. Truth, there's another tiny knot in our tummy. <laughs> but let's go through some of the nitty-gritty from this game, starting at the running back position. The Bucs, as we expected in the preseason, came out slinging the rock. The first carry for Tampa Bay came on the sixth play of the game, I think. And not unlike James Winston, Ronald Jones looked much better in week one of the preseason. Actually, he might have looked better in week one of the preseason than he had in all his games in his career combined to that point. And against Miami, he did return the opening kickoff again, showing he can't be used on special teams, but not really. (laughs) And against Miami, he had just two carries for seven yards. And Peyton Barber, he trotted out for the first snap of the game. But I'm not going to spend any time on him. His yawn fest consisted of two rushes for five yards. And Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber both sat down early. And Andre Ellington again came in third among the running backs. And he had a catch and a fumble against Miami. And he had a pretty ugly box score with six rushes for 15 yards and four catches amounting to a whopping 14 yards. And all I can say about the veteran Andre Ellington is if Bruce Aarons wants him, they better be keeping four running backs. Because I'm carving out a minute here for my boy, because Dario Gumbowali had another strong showing, and I mentioned him in the past, his size and his profile, and that we wanted to see him used in the passing game, since the Bucks only threw 3 of their 53 passing attempts to the backs in game 1 of the preseason. And I also suggested that we should gauge his vision through the next couple weeks here, and on his first play of the game he had a great cut to get the Buccaneers off their own goal line on a run, and I love those plays because that's a play the defense knows a run is coming, so it's really impressive when he managed to take it out of his own end zone and run for a first down there. And so at that point, we can see that he does have some vision. And as the game went on, he was really gaining confidence in this game. He was busting some spin moves even. <laughs> and the broadcast alluded to Arian saying he can trust him on all three downs, meaning really nothing more than he's picking up blitzes and pass protecting really well. But this kid's getting a serious look. Ogunbowale had 40 plays against the Steelers last week and played a ton in this game again. And in the second half, we finally got to see Ogunbowale's pass catching ability we've been inferring. He had a great catch, Ki- kinda, he bobbled it, but he held on at high speed and turned up field really hard. And it was a huge gain, but of course there was a shit-holding penalty on the play and it came back. <laughs> but those are the kind of plays that you do see from watching the games. And not too long after on a third down play, Byron Lefwich made a great call for the Buccaneers. He ran a screen over top of the Blitz, knowing Miami would send like a five man Blitz. And that play did end up going for a huge chunk play for Bawali. And yeah, Dario Gamboale finished with 13 carries for 34 yards, 3 receptions for 54 yards. And I told you about his sister, she's a famous WNBA player, Google her up. But yeah, good genes guys. So Dynasty players, this is your third warning, buying window is closing soon. (laughs) Because right now you can still probably get this kid for nada. And if I didn't lose anybody, let's move into wide receivers here. No starters, had a catch for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wide receiver corps. Mike Evans was overthrown, but he should be valued with the other wide receivers who occupy rounds 1 and 2 right around that turn in fantasy drafts right now. And you know, we just hope we get to see a little bit more from the first team next week. Moving right into Chris Godwin, I just love him for this season. I said he's in line to fill that Z wide receiver role, and I talked about the correlation to fantasy success in Bruce Arian's offense. And getting back to the Z wide receiver role, in the game against Miami, although Chris Godwin didn't have a catch, he did come into the formation to make a good block on a running play, which is something Arian's always asked Z wide receivers to do. So Godwin is a huge target of mine in fantasy, so I almost hope he doesn't really get overexposed in game 3 of the preseason. (laughs) And yeah, he was wide receiver 27 in fantasy last year, even though he's number 4 on Tampa Bay in targets per game. And we know Tampa Bay have 234 targets up for grabs this year. And I want to quickly hit on the battle behind these guys, because knowing that second to last stat there about Godwin, we recognize there's a possibility another fantasy option looms in this offense. And if I'm picking a leader in the clubhouse, it won't be Scotty Miller, (laughs) because you can't make the club in the tub, right? But I'd probably take Justin Watson right now. And against Miami, he really cemented my stance there. He had a really nice diving catch against Miami. And he had another catch right before his 53-man nemesis, Bobo Willie, had a really, you know, ugly drop. And Justin Watson's always in motion, you know, pre-snap. And he looks like he could seamlessly fill a void versus zone coverage Adam Humphreys leaves behind. And yeah, he's just big and fast. And there's there's nothing really to dislike about Justin Watson. And the antagonist bobo wilson i mentioned that bad drop he had but he also had a really big reception on a slant dump off and run and he actually runs routes with authority and you'll never you almost never hear me say anything about route running unless it really jumps off the page to me and that's mainly because we don't have the all 22 tape anymore so i don't know bobo (laughs) sorry I, i had to but bobo wilson did win the box score but i do think justin watson stays ahead of him in the receiving pecking order in my opinion And Let's get out of wide receivers, I want to move on to James Winston's beloved tight ends. Tight end king of kings OJ Howard, he saw some work in this game finally. He saw the second pass of the game and turned it into a nice 16 yard reception. And his second target was a nice breakup by Minka Fitzpatrick, who's under certain media fire because of his mammy. (laughs) But OJ Howard was tight end 5 in fantasy points per game last year tied with Jared Cook. And he's truly on a historic trajectory when it comes to depth of target, PFF grades, and overall efficiency. And besides O.J. Howard, Cam Brayt also caught an 8 yard pass from Jameis Winston. And it's funny because Jameis completed 2 of his 3 targets to the tight end position and was 0 for 1 targeting anyone outside of tight ends. I know, that's a huge step size. <laughs> but I want to hit a wild stat here. In Scott Barrett's 96 or a million facts, aka the best article I've ever read, check it out. He showed Jameis Winston as the 2nd best passer rating when he's targeting tight ends. And he's bottom 5 when targeting all other positions. And tight ends total 20% of Jameis Winston's pass attempts, but almost 40% of his total touchdowns. So yeah, as I like to say, if Jameis has eaten W's this year, he's washing him down with OJ. And I'm actually not done on tight ends though. Last week, I did not give the benefit of the doubt to the Young Bucks tight end here. I chalked it up to the Steelers' annual inability to cover tight ends. But man, Tanner Hudson. I said last week he's 6'5", but weighs under 240 pounds. So yeah, to me, if he was to service in a starting lineups due to some form of high variance this season, he could enter the fantasy conversation, I think. He followed up his 9 targets, 7 catches for 84 yards and a touchdown against Steelers, with 6 catches for 93 yards and another touchdown against Miami. And while Miami's been historically pretty much just as bad, if not worse, than the Steelers have been against tight ends in fantasy, this kid just keeps showing out. And he even actually looked really good blocking too. And for Tanner Hudson, it was actually another red zone touchdown. And it was a nice little pick play. So we could actually note that for O.G. Howard and Cam Braid as well. And I'm telling you, in the fourth quarter, Tanner Hudson had this crazy catch where he laid out almost vertical. <laughs> and then the very next play, he basically had a game-winning catch. And you can't write this stuff. It was a one-handed gem with the defender just grabbing and draped all over him with his right arm. And yeah, they won the game the next play for Bruce Arians for his first win as a Buccaneer in the preseason. Versus the Dolphins. <laughs> So heading into takeaways here, I'll continue to be a broken record for the volume available in Tampa Bay. 38% of their passing volume left with Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys, the 4th most in the NFL. And they also have the 5th most red zone targets up for grabs. And with Bruce Arians now married to James Winston, the Risk at the Biscuit coach is paired to the Risk at the Biscuit quarterback, you know, so this offense may support several fantasy options even beyond the obvious ones, not unlike it did last season under Dirk Cutter. And in stark contrast to last week, my big takeaway, we saw last week versus Steelers, Tampa Bay running backs saw only 6% of the passing work. The group combined for only three receptions on Tampa Bay's 53 pass attempts. But in game two here against the Dolphins, hopefully by design, the running backs saw a huge spike. Almost 40% of the Buccaneers catches were by running backs in this game. So another one in the books here and more teams on the horizon. Thanks to Travis Seal for the outlet and all the hard work he does. Follow him on Twitter at TNFFTravis. Follow the website at truenorthffb.com, and follow me on Twitter at tnfftyrell. And like Bruce Arians, I'm out, but I will be back.